this year. This is my year, our year. Can you feel it? More motivation. Motivation. Synergy. 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 Adventure. 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 Responsibility. 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 Intimacy. Achievement. Achievement. Advancement. Advancement. Determination. Determination. Focus. Focus. This is my year. Honey, so? <laughs> what do you think? Motivation, integrity, determination, synergy. Come on, honey. You're not even listening to me. I mean, I have a poster and everything this time. This is perfect. I mean business. Jack? This is my year. I promise. Well, good morning, RCC. It's good to be back with you. I want to say welcome to all of our campuses. We'll give a long-distance high-five to Fairhope. And uh, it's good to be here on the last, the last Sunday of 2019. And you know what that means. That means this is the obligatory talk, the, the, the talk that I have to give, that every pastor has to give about you and me being better in 2020, right? So we're all fired up. You're like the video. Maybe you've got your quote. Maybe even you've got a Bible verse. You stepped it. You made it spiritual this year. Like this year is going to be your year and you are the only one that believes that, right? <laughs> nobody else in your family believes it. They're like, hey, we've been there. We've done this, you know, hang it on the wall, you know, write it on your hand, write it on the mirror. I'll give you to February, right? And, and it'll be the same old thing. That's so depressing, isn't it? Uh, but we do it every year. And, and I think it's every year we end up reflecting at this time. And, and a lot of reasons, or one reason is, is obvious, is that we're ending something and then we're starting something. But, but I think there's a couple other reasons why we reflect on our past and the previous year during this time and one of them is that we spent so much time with family I don't know about you uh, but uh, I know for me and I think this is probably true for a lot of people uh, through Thanksgiving you know you, you got this you're spending a lot of time with family and then after Thanksgiving you got about three weeks off then you you kind of run back into it after that and for Christmas and that's always interesting and and every family has a cousin Eddie Right now, I don't. I don't know if you are a connoisseur of the delicate and tasteful things of Christmas vacation, uh, but I am. And and every family has a cousin Eddie. And if you're thinking like, well, I don't know if we have one, it's you. Right, <laughs> all right, but but we we come home from cousin Eddie and and that circus, and we go, oh my gosh. I've got to get my life together because if I don't, I'm going to be just like that. Like, and, and so we, we, we begin to reflect, okay, oh, there's some things I got to do differently. I got, I got to change some things. And then there's also just the nostalgia of, of the holiday season. 
being home, being with family, you know, uh, thinking back on the seasons, thinking about the people that may, maybe were there last year that aren't there this year or there a few years ago and aren't there this year. And, and, and it causes you to reflect and it causes you to look back. And, and it's been my experience that anytime I start looking back, eventually it brings me back to the present. It brings me back to my current situations. Uh, and even we can say it this way, it brings us back to our current outcomes in life. So we begin to look at, you know, well, well, what does my faith look like? What is the current outcome of my faith? You know, what is the current outcome of my marriage? What is the current outcome, uh, current situation with my relationship to my children? What is, the, what is the current outcome? What is the current outcome with the stuff that's in my life? And when we begin to look at those outcomes, where we are at that point in life, and we go, wow, you know, there's some things I need to do differently. Now, there are some of you. You are on a river in Egypt, right? You're in denial because, because some of y'all know your geography. Um, you're in denial because you go, man, I, I killed 2019. I don't know that I could have done anything better. I mean, if I could just do 2019 again, I, I mean, that would be amazing. And if that's you and your marriage, just ask your spouse. Okay, you know, or ask your kids or kids uh, if there's a if there's a teenager that even has that thought. It's it's absurd. But ask your parents because they'll say, you know what, there's some things you can improve on. There's some things that, that you need to get better at. And so for the rest of us, we look at those outcomes and go, okay, here, here's this area. I'm reflecting. It's the end of the year. It's the beginning of a new year. I don't want to be Cousin Eddie, you know, and, and, and I'm just reflective in this season. And so some things I want to do better. And so we take the next logical step. We start looking at our actions, our actions, our behaviors, those things that, that lead to our outcomes. Because we're smart people. We know that we didn't end up where we are haphazardly, that there, was, there were some decisions made. Now, those decisions might have been haphazard, but there were some decisions made that landed us in our current outcomes. And this is where you insert all of your New Year's resolutions. I'm going to go to church more. I'm going to be a better person. I'm, I'm going to be a better husband. I'm going to be a better mom. And it goes on and on. And either. I'm going to eat better. I'm going to exercise more. I'm going to read more books. You know, and, and this goes on and on this list of actions that we want to change. And then you start implementing those things. January 1, man, it's, you're going you're gonna to kill it. You got your quote, you got your list, you're ready, and, and then something happens. And we're going to call that something, we're going to call that something a four-letter word, life. What were y'all thinking? I was, come on, guys. Life happens. Life happens, and it, and it knocks us out of our rhythm. It knocks us out of our routine, and we throw our hands up. And we go, you know what? I just don't know. Maybe I was, maybe my, you know, my, my goals were too lofty. Maybe it's not that big of a deal, and we don't think about it again until when? This time next year. And, and, and that's where a lot of people are year in and year out and why 2019 didn't look really much different than 2018 and, and, and 2017. And the reason is, is there's another step back as we begin to reflect on our life and we look at our outcomes and we look at our actions and our behaviors. There's one more step back that we need to take and it's our belief system. 
And our belief system is simply this. It, it's, the, it's the operating system. It is the thing that drives the action. It is the reason why. And for every area of your life, or even for every relationship, for every behavior, for every action, there is a reason why. There is a belief system. If you want to know the reason why, or you want to know what your belief system is about a particular area of your life, all you have to do is ask why. Why do I do this? I'll give you a kind of case in point. If maybe this year for you, you're like, you know what? I've got to get out of debt. I've been nursing this thing along. I've been transferring one debt to one credit card to another credit card. And I like, I've got, I've got to get out of debt. And so that's, that's the outcome, debt. And so you go, what do I need to do? Well, that's easy. The, the action, the behavior, I, I need to spend less, right? That makes sense. I need to live below my means. And that lasts for a little while, and chances are you've done that, but eventually you go back to spending beyond your means. And so we begin to ask the question, why? Well, maybe the reason you continue to spend beyond your means is because you're looking for acceptance, and stuff makes you feel accepted. Or maybe your identity is rooted in your stuff. Or maybe, maybe this, is a, this is a big one. Maybe spending is a coping mechanism for you. And so not only do you need to work on your, your spending, but there's some other areas of your life that you need to figure out how to manage so that it doesn't happen, so it doesn't get played out in your spending and ultimately affect your outcomes. This is all about asking the question why. And the why question tells you what it is you believe, your belief system, your mindset about a particular area. So we could say it this way, that your belief system drives your actions and your actions give you your outcome. And here's the deal. This, this is, Paul said this so many years ago, the Apostle Paul, not our Paul. He's not that old. He says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed. Isn't that what we're after? Every year we want transformation. That's why every year as excited and motivated as we get, it's also frustrating because it's the same thing we were excited and motivated about the year before. So he says, you want to be transformed? How? By acting different? No. By renewing the renewing of your mind. It's really simple. If you want to behave differently, we have to believe differently. You know that to be true. You know that as a man or woman thinks he is and does, she is and does. But let me give you the most practical scenario where this is played out every day for some of you. If you have children and your child does something impulsive, what do you say? You don't say, what, what, what are you doing? I mean, you know what they're doing. You're looking. What do you say? What were you thinking? Yeah, you know that thoughts precede actions. What were you thinking? And then what is the most frustrating answer you could ever get from your teenager when you ask that question? I don't know. <laughs> right? Teenagers, let me help you out a little bit. Because I just threw you under the bus. Um, Moms and dads, th th this is biology and this is extra, okay? But I'm going to try to help the teenagers out. In our brains, in the frontal lobe up here, there is something called the prefrontal cortex. It is the decision-making part of your brain. And you're like, yeah, my kid doesn't have one. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, 
that part of your brain doesn't fully develop until you're like 23 or 24. And if you're a male, sometimes it's even older. And so when your kid says, I don't know, there may be some truth to that. Now, 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 teenager, this is what I wouldn't do. The next time you do something impulsive, don't go like, geez, mom, it's my prefrontal, you know, <laughs> it's underdeveloped. Like, I don't think that's going to go over well for you. But, 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 but we all know, we all know that to be true, that, that our, our thoughts precede action. And for every, for every relationship, for every thing that we do, there is a belief system that is driving the actions and that ultimately gives us our outcome. So this morning, I want to talk about one belief system. One belief system that I think is a foundation that, it, that if we could get this right, would help you be successful in 2020. But not only, not only from a habit standpoint, I think this one belief system is a reason a lot of you are miserable in your faith. And I think it's a reason a lot of people don't want to be a part of our faith. This got exposed for me back in October. My wife and I uh, went out to Colorado and uh, did like a little vacation. And, and I love being in the mountains. I've, I've done that my entire life. And I wanted Lauren to climb, and the key phrase there, I wanted uh, Lauren to climb a 14er, which is a mountain over 14,000 feet. And so I had it all planned out, and I, and I knew that this was going to be hard for my wife. And this has been approved by her, uh, this story. I knew that this was going to be difficult. And, and I, so I told Lauren, I said, hey, you, you need to start exercising, right? You, like, you need, you need to start training for this because it's going to be difficult, and I'm worried you're going to hate me if you don't. And, 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 and she didn't. She didn't. And she did because she didn't have time. And, and here's the deal. I knew going into that that she wasn't going to be able to to train like she needed to for this to be like this amazing experience that I had in my brain. But I knew that we would get to the top of the mountain because she's gritty. Like I, I knew that. The, the, the question was, what was it going to cost me, i.e. my marriage, right? And, and so uh, I, I knew that she would get to the top, and, and she did. And so we picked this mountain that I had done 15 years prior called Blanca Peak, and, and, and she got to the top, and, and it was amazing. And, and we did another mountain a little bit later, and I'll tell you about it in a second. And, uh, but, but it only cost her, number one, it didn't cost me my marriage. It only cost her two toenails, <laughs> a strawberry on her back from her pack, which I thought she was just whining about, but turns out there was actually something going on there. Um, it cost her some tears. There, there, there were tears. And, and, and then, there, I don't know if this was a cost or just an outcome, but, but there was some violent praying going on. And, and, I still, and I still don't know if, it was, if she was praying to God for creating the mountain or praying to God for, like, you know, God, why did you create the mountain? Or, or why did you let my husband bring me out here? Like, I don't know who the violence was directed at, the mountain God or me, but, but, but it was violent, okay? And, uh, but, but she made it to the top. But here, here's why I tell you this. And this is where this, this mindset thing, this belief system, this singular belief system, I believe is a foundation for everything else it, what was set up for me was when you do a big mountain, oftentimes, not all the time, but oftentimes there's this approach hike. 
And the approach height gets you to like a base camp, if you will. And that base camp becomes the launching point for the fun stuff, the summit bid. I don't ever think about that. Like when I'm planning this trip, all I'm thinking about is stepping onto the summit. All I'm thinking about is Lauren stepping onto the destination, which is really faulty thinking because if you're climbing a mountain, the top is not the destination. You would like to come down, right? That's just the halfway point. And so I'm thinking about this like, oh, it's going to be so amazing. And, and then as we're on this approach hike and your packs are at the heaviest because you're carrying everything you're going to need for the next four days, about mile five of an eight-mile approach up this four-wheel drive road that was like destroys your ankles I had this thought what were you thinking (laughs) and as I had this thought my wife is somewhere 50 to 75 yards behind me because I couldn't walk that slow and 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 I was like what what did you think was going to happen and it occurred to me, because I've, I've been there, I've had this same dialogue in my brain. I did it six years prior with my brothers and I did Mount Rainier. And it was, the approach hike was on a glacier. And it was just terrible. And, and I was like, you focused on the destination. You're so worried about the summit that you forgot that this part is the majority of it. And the, the reality is the bigger the mountain, the longer the approach, and the less time you get to spend on the summit. I said, why do you do this yourself every time? Just stop and embrace the fact that there is also a journey that accompanies the destination. So this morning, what if the belief system, what if we replace the destination mindset or the destination belief system with the journey mindset or belief system? And let me tell you something right now. This... It's not about a coffee mug quote, right? What I mean is this is not one of those coffee mug quotes where it says, uh, don't miss the, the journey for the destination. That's not what this is about. A lot of you got multiple kids and you worked hard to get here this morning. I'm going to give you more than a coffee mug quote. In fact, what we're going to talk about is not even the same context of that. But there's a journey mindset and then there's the destination mindset. The Apostle Paul, again, he he helps us out. He says this. He says, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And don't miss this. Now, being confident of this, this is what he says, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. And here's what's funny about this. It's funny now for us. It's not funny for Paul. He's writing this in prison, which probably felt like a dead end, which probably felt like a wrong destination, the final destination. But Paul has a journey mindset. And he's trying to put that, impart that on the people he's writing to. And he says, hey, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. And we get focused on this word completion, on this word destination. And we forget these four words, will carry it on. It's a journey. This life is a journey. You know, theologians will summarize the Christian life, the Christian experience in three words. The first one they use is this word, justification. 
Justification is, is what happens when you become a Christ follower, when you trust Christ. It happens in an instant, and, and it's just a fancy word that says that you are made right before God, not because of anything you've done, but because of Jesus and then there's the third word. I'm skipping the second. The third word is glorification. And glorification, this is what happens when you die. Instantly, new body, glorified body. Everything's made right for you. But what Paul is talking about, the journey that I'm talking about, is the second word, sanctification. And sanctification is this process of God making us more like Jesus every single day. And it is a process between justification, accepting Christ as your Savior, and, and, and glorification, going to meet Christ. There's this, this span of time where God is working it out in you, is carrying it on to completion. But we like to get stuck in completion mode, in glorification mode, and we forget that God is sanctifying us. It was just a, a fancy word to say he's making us right. He's renewing us on a daily basis. So Paul says it's a journey. Is there a destination? Absolutely. But it's a journey. Now let me help you play this out in life. Kind of see where this gets fleshed out. We'll, we'll start superficial and we'll kind of go deeper. What about in your New Year's resolutions? See, the destination mindset would say this. It would say all or nothing. Now I'm about to read some of y'all's mail. So you start with your New Year's resolutions and, you, and you've got all the stuff you want to do. And we're just talking about things that you, that you think will make life better. You know, I'm going to exercise, I'm going to eat better, I'm going to read more, I'm going to spend more time with my family. And, and, and so you start and the destination mind says it's all or nothing. So January 1, now we're going to throw out the absurdity of doing something for 365 days, going to bed and waking up and thinking you're going to do everything differently, you know, through a few hours of sleep. We're going to throw that out. But we think all or nothing, January 1, I am sold out, I'm going to make this this thing happen and you strike a trail and you're motivated and you got your quote and you're just like the video and then life happens and we get kind of knocked out of our routine and maybe for you we'll just take the, the probably the most common one is you know eating healthy and and maybe you make it to about March if you're in fair hope you make it to February 25th because that's fat Tuesday and Mardi Gras and by then you're 10 moon pies in and so like you just throwing it to the wind and so what, what, what do we do it's all or nothing we go well you know I had a bad weekend I had a bad day so I can't it's all or nothing I can't do all or nothing in the right direction but you know what I can do I can do all or nothing in the wrong direction. And we throw the towel in. The next morning, we hit the donut shop for breakfast. We hit Burger King for lunch. We eat a pizza for supper and top it off with a quart of ice cream. And we're like, hey. And, and, and what we, we become numb to the very thing we wanted to change until when? Until this time next year. And so the journey mindset says it's all or nothing and causes you just to, to throw in the towel. I'm sorry, the destination mindset, but the journey mindset, the journey mindset says, hey, you had a misstep. You didn't miss the destination. You, you just, you had a misstep. Refocus, regroup. In fact, how many of you seen Frozen 2? I and mean, the rest of y'all are lying. Um, <laughs> 
I'm a, I'm a fan of Frozen. I'm not going to spoil it for you as if you can spoil a Disney movie. It's a happy ending. Uh, but, but, the, but in Frozen 2, they, and, and I'll just, let me, listen. It, there was too much singing in that movie. <laughs> Like, I know there's songs and I, you know, let it go and all of that. But man, it was like every time somebody had a deep thought or a good decision, it's like, oh, got to sing about it. I read, I read three chapters in a book on my phone just during the singing during that movie. I was like, here we go. I'll, I'll pick up when, you know, we get done singing some goofy song. But there was one song that Anna sang when she was down and out. And I pray this song gets stuck in our kids' hearts and in their minds. And it was simply this, the, the course was, do the next right thing. And that's what the journey mindset says. Just do the next right thing. You don't, have to, you don't have to figure it all out. You don't have to be at your destination. The journey mindset says, just do the next right thing. The destination mindset is about perfection, all or nothing. But the journey mindset is about progression. Keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. But what, what if we go a little bit deeper? What about when life throws you a curveball? What about when you're moving along and your life bumps up against an obstacle? The destination mindset says it's a dead end. There's nowhere else to go. There's no way through, over, under, around. That's devastating to feel that. Maybe it's, it's, it's unexpected circumstances. Job change, you know, moving, sickness. And you go, man, this is not the destination I had in mind. And so I, I must have failed. I must have come up short. The destination mindset says, man, this, this is it. And let me take you back to Colorado. The second mountain we did, we hadn't planned on doing two, but we did two because we were glutton for punishment. The second one is Elbert, and it's the, the highest in Colorado and the second highest in the contiguous states, the lower 48. And, and it's just this big, massive, long hike of a mountain. And, and it has something on it called, or part of it called a fault summit. And it's got three fault summits. And a fault summit is basically because of the geometry of the mountain and how big it is and everything, you, you just can't see beyond certain points. And when you've been hiking for a long time and you see a high point, you go, oh, that's it. If I can just get there. And then you get there and you go, son of a gun, there's another one. And, 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 and Elbert, Mount Elbert had three of those, and it was devastating for Lauren to go, oh my gosh, what have you brought me into, right? But the journey mindset, the journey mindset is, no, 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 there, there's a way around, there's a way over, there's a way through, there's a way under. You got you to gotta keep moving. And I love this. The journey mindset says this, that your current situation is not your final destination, it's so good to know because life throws us curveballs all the time. But what if, what if the thing you need to change in 2020 is deep, is spiritual? What if it's connected to sin? What if there's a habit in your life that is destroying your life and destroying your family? And you've decided that this year is going to be your year. This is my year to get over this, to get past this. And you strike out in January and you fail. You sin. 
you don't get it right. What do you feel? You feel disappointment, you feel loss, and you feel shame. And shame says, not only did you fail, but you are a failure. Shame says, and the destination mindset say, not only did you make a mistake, you are a mistake. Not only is this your current situation, your current situation is your final destination, but, but it is also now your identity. And when you let shame rest on your shoulders long enough, you enter into a shame cycle. And a shame cycle, please don't miss this. Because I believe this is a lot of people's experience with faith, and it's not God's design. The shame cycle says, because I feel shame, I'm going to go find something to alleviate that shame. And oftentimes, the thing you go to alleviate that shame is not God's grace, but it is the very thing that caused the shame to begin with, the habit, the addiction, the relationship. And so you go and you feel this pleasure for a moment only. For that pleasure to end and you're back left with more shame. Shame says, the destination mindset says that on the other side of your sin, on the other side of your mistake, on the other side of your habit or addiction is a God that looks at you with disdain and disgust and disappointment. And you are disqualified from being used by him. disqualified and yet the journey mindset oh man the destination mindset is rooted in shame but the journey mindset it is rooted in in grace you made a mistake you messed up in fact we can say this because of grace the journey mindset has the ability to face the hard facts you sinned and you probably hurt yourself and you hurt other people with your sin yeah you, you did you has the ability to face the hard facts while at the same time having hope for the future so on one hand we've got the sin and the mistake and on the other hand we've got the hope in the future and the hope in the future is that you are loved and you are forgiven and please do not miss this is what we sang about God loves the version of you right now, not the version you hope to be in 2020. Right now, in your mess, God loves you. And here's the deal. God uses broken things. If you've never read your Bible, you should read it for this one reason. It is full of jacked up people. Yeah. There, there are some jacked up folks in the Bible. And what's even crazier, because we've been running into jack up, jacked up people all the time, is that that's who God uses. Here's just a, a quick inventory. Abraham. Abraham was the, the father of the Israelites. He started this whole thing. And, and he, he sold his wife out. He gave his wife over two times to save his own skin. He's a coward. What about Moses? Moses, before he delivered the people out of Egypt, he murdered a man. Right? And there's David. We don't have to say much about David. Everybody knows David committed adultery, then had the other woman's husband killed. And God used David. Gideon. Gideon was a coward and ridiculously insecure. And God pulls him out of a wine cellar and uses him to free his people. What about Rahab? Rahab was a prostitute and she, she is in Jesus' genealogy. It's part of the family. Then we get to the New Testament, Matthew. 
Matthew was a crook. And God used him to give us an eyewitness account of what he saw Jesus do. Paul? And Paul, before he was Paul, he was Saul, and he killed Christians and imprisoned Christians. Peter, good Lord, Peter had the biggest mouth, always putting his foot in the mouth, flew off at the, flew off the, at the mouth all the time, and was a coward. And God said, hey, I'm going to build my church on you. God uses broken people. If you feel like you're broken, if you feel like you've come up short, you are in great company because that's who God uses. And here's the pushback. The pushback is this. Well, Gray, all this grace talk and journey talk sure seems like you're giving us a license to sin. You know, like, God, I know what you've called me to do, but, but I'm on a journey, so I'm going to take a detour this weekend. I'm going to circle back, though. I know my way back. I'm just going to take a little, little detour because I'm on a journey, and I've got grace. And I would say, if that's your perspective on Christianity, you, you don't know what Christianity is, and you haven't processed and considered the great cost that grace has afforded you. It, hasn't, it doesn't make sense to you yet. Does God want you to sin less? Absolutely. Would God love to see you full of the fruit of spirit, of the fruit of the spirit? You know, uh, love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control? Absolutely. Does he want to see you be for your community? For others? Yes. But God... God knows that this, this is a, a process. This is about progression. There'll be a time for perfection, but it will be on the other side of the grave. It's a journey. It's not a destination. So this morning, what if you believe that? What if you believe that God loves you right where you are in the thick of your mess, not the version you hope to be next year, but right now? What if, what if you believe that? What if, what if you decided to take life from a journey mindset, not a destination mindset, not a pass or fail, not an all or nothing, but the reality that your current situation is not your final destination and you quit operating out of shame? You quit trying to white-knuckle it and understand that God's grace is sufficient and his grace will take you further than your shame and white-knuckling will ever take you. One of my favorite verses, Romans 2, 4, says it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. It's his kindness that leads us to change. It's his grace, not guilt and shame, not condemnation, not finger-pointing, not disgust in you. It's his grace. It's kindness that leads you to transformation and to change. What if you really believe that in 2020? What, what, what if you believed that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to the completion Again, not because of your effort, not because of your white knuckling, 
not because of your shame-driven obedience, but because of his grace. You know what I would love to be true next year at this time? In, in every one of our lives, in all of our campuses, my prayer is that we can make this statement. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I used to be. I'm on a journey. I'm making progress. Am I perfect? No. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I used to be. In fact, let, let, let's just do this. Let, let's take the pressure off. Partner up with someone. Find you somebody sitting next to you. And I want you to, I want you to make this statement to each other, okay? You ready? This is going to be really fun. I want you to tell the other person, man, you're so jacked up. <laughs> Go ahead. Let them have it. Don't, don't, now, don't get husbands and wives. Don't pull out a list. Right, hey, look, on all of our campuses, that's true for all of us. Take the pressure off. You're jacked up. You are. Now, but we're not done. Now, I want you to respond back to each other and say something along these lines. Oh, you have no idea. <laughs> and, and, I'm not where I want to be. But my prayer is this time next year, I won't be where I used to be. Man, and feel the freedom in that. Because there's a world of people who, who live day in and day out in Christianity, striving, thinking that they have to be perfect, and when they're not, they feel this shame. And there's a world of people who won't give us a chance because they think God is looking at us in disgust. And the reality is, he sees us through loving eyes, Offering forgiveness and compassion, ultimately grace. Because he knows that grace will take us further than shame and guilt and condemnation ever will. Say it with me. I'm not where I used to be. Thank you for listening, but I said it wrong. I'm not where I want to be. It's even better. Glad you guys are listening. But I'm not where I used to be. Let me pray for you. Father God, I thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for all the people on all of our campuses. And God, I know that there is some heavy stuff in every room this morning. There are some people that need to make some significant life-changing decisions that impact their lives, the lives of their family. And that we're not just talking about New Year's resolutions, but we're talking about deep and heavy stuff. But even in that, Father, you say your grace is sufficient. And Father, it's my prayer that as we move into 2020 and we've got our list of things we need to change, that when we mess up, we would rest in your grace and not in shame. And God, you would do more through your grace in 2020 
than you've ever done in our lives. Father, we love you, and we pray these things in your perfect son's name. Amen. Thank you, guys. You're dismissed.